Well, we got ourselves a little bit of a a little bit of a new story here, fellas. It I said in the comments or in the caption, this is a an emergency podcast. And if there ever was one, I'm not playing it up this time. So the USAPL has been suspended by the IPF. Yeah. Kind of seen the writing on the wall. Yeah. We knew that they were openly on a campaign on social media saying, A, we're not water compliant. B, we think water's dumb. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And C, we're, we're never going to be water compliant. So that was that straight up. You know, they made no bones about it. Fair enough. They don't believe in that. So when this went to the anti-doping panel, is that I'm sure it might have a different official title. Um, but doping a, hearing panel. Doping hearing panel. Thank you. Um, and you straight up were saying that. Like, this isn't a case where some nations will plead their case and try to negotiate. Like, you know, this was a straight up, yeah, we we were non-compliant. We will remain non-compliant and we will never be compliant. It is going to be an open and shut case when that happens. The hope was that this thing drags out as sometimes think proceedings do. And maybe we get on the other side of the IPF world championships and we're good to go. Um, the USAPL did not want to risk that uh, pushed for this thing to happen sooner rather than later. And um, they got what they wanted in terms of a verdict and the verdict we all agreed was probably going to be, you know, they, they gave no, they gave absolutely no room for any other verdict. There was, it was going to be bad. Um, so it is what it is. Here we are, right? We we're hoping for it to be delayed. It was not delayed. Uh, they got what they wanted. It came early. So the USAAPL has been suspended. Let's maybe read their release. We have heard nothing from the IPF in terms of this, in terms of the suspensions, fines, or what this is going to look like. Just came out of the blue from the USAPL on a social media post and I believe a letter. You want to read uh, a couple segments from that for us area? Yeah, so we've been kind of following the steps for a few months now as far as like, yeah, the IPF EC sending letters, then the anti-doping committee, then the doping hearing panel. So if you miss those, you can always just go to usapopton.com and read each of those. There was like a letter from July 30th, a letter from August 15th, and then this latest one with the opening paragraph saying, USA Pofting received, received the judgment from the anti-doping, uh, sorry, the IPF doping hearing panel, despite our plea to allow nominated athletes to compete, much like the IOC and IPF did for Russia with the ROC, Russian Olympic Committee. The IPF has denied athletes the right to compete. We are essentially being suspended for too much drug testing and not for doping violations. A 12-month suspension for all USA Pofting members from IPF competitions is effective immediately. The suspension only affects the IPF events and all positions held in the IPF. It does not impact local, national, or our pro events. So I want to jump in here and point out a couple of things about this about this statement so far. Um, actually, first of all, I want to say that my heart absolutely goes out to everyone who is. Hey, Bill. Um, so first of all, I want to I, I want to say that obviously my heart goes out to all of the athletes who are affected by this and are just trying to do the right thing. So when oh, I'm talking stop. about oh, being, being a, it's it's fine, they'll be okay. When, I, when, be when okay. I'm talking about the the USAPL, I, I like the hat and the t-shirt there, by the way, Bill. Uh, <laughs> that's that's very on brand. 
um, when I talk about the USAPL for now, what I'm going to be talking about is mostly like the USAPL leadership as opposed to sort of like individual members of the USAPL. But this, um, so this says that the IPF has denied athletes the right to compete. Yes, yes, that is that is probably true, though we haven't seen the actual IPF statement about this. Um, like I assume that isn't just a blatant fabrication um, for doing too much drug testing. Now that is factually inaccurate, right? Like this is, there is nothing about how much drug testing that is happening. The thing that, it, that the problem is the standard of the drug testing that is happening. And I want to take a, a quick divergence, a quick tangent, if you will, uh, to tell a story about MMA. Um, and I promise that this is going to become relevant really soon. So are you the new Ryan now, by the doggy. way? <laughs> let him let the man uh, talk. I am going to uh, shave my head and start calling myself one pack. Um, let, the man speak. let the man speak. He has our attention when he came in there. Okay. So up until the 1st of July, 2015, uh, the UFC did third party drug tests. Uh, sorry, did uh, uh, in-house drug testing. Uh, they didn't do very many tests at that time, though they did do a few. Uh, in the year leading up to the 1st of July 2015, so mid-2014 to mid-2015, they had five doping suspensions. On the 1st of July 2015, they switched to third-party drug testing. And so for one thing, the number of tests that they did did go up dramatically. Um, and so, so that is worth accounting for. It did go up by about four times in the first year. Um, but the number of failed tests also went up 12 times in the first year. They've had 123 doping failures over the last two years, uh, based on the, the number of tests that they've done, which, ha which again, has gone off dramatic, dramatically in that time. But even the, the percentage of failed tests has gone up 300% since they switched from in-house drug testing to third-party drug testing. So what I'm getting to here is that we have seen in other sports, like we have, we have like answers from other sports about how much difference does it make an in-house drug test versus a a third party drug test. And like, I can sit here and postulate all I like about the, the, the impact of it being tested by Arian instead of um, by, by some random wider person. Right. Um, but, but like the numbers speak really well. And the fact is that when you have a person who doesn't understand UFC picking the people who they want to test, doing it at a random time at any time throughout the year, like that is much more effective than, Arian showing up at my house, potentially Arian even knowing two days in advance in some in some cases. And so, like USAPL is not being suspended for doing too much drug testing. USAPL is being suspended for drug testing practices that provably don't work, uh, regardless or don't work as well. I think I should say um, because obviously some people do still get caught, um, and that is what is actually happening here. And so. If you are going around repeating that the USAPL is being suspended for doing too much drug testing, uh, you are repeating the USAPL's bullshit propaganda, right? Nobody gets suspended for doing too much drug testing. That's a silly thing to say. It, it's a, it is taken out of context to say it that way. Um, like I, I had a conversation with a friend. I've had a few, I've had many conversations with a bunch of USAPL friends. And let me just say straight off the bat, like honestly. I've talked to a couple of people who are on the U.S. national team and fucking this is got to be gutting. We've done podcasts with some of these individuals. Rory, you remember when we had Andy Riley on here and her story literally was fucking a tough one. And um, to hear like, it's tough, man. People go into the, your DMS and you have conversations with some people and you're fucking gutted for these people. Like uh, Jonathan Keiko. Um, I forget who was the co-host for that one. Was that you again, Arian? Arian or Rory or? Yeah, I was on that one. Well, you were on that one. It's tough, man. Some of these people have done 
incredible journeys to get there. And this is not the way it's supposed to go. Um, so that's hard. That's, and, and I understand to be so close. I've, I've, I'm training for the world championships myself. And this is in the master's division. If I was in the open and I went through what they had to go through to us raw nationals to find the rug pulled out from under me, this close would be fucking gutting when you care. And there's nothing funny about caring. Like it's okay to care, you know, and put yourself all out there. It's uh, it means a lot. It means a lot to me, man. So I'm gutted for them. Now um, in terms of the whole politics of it, it's a lot stickier than some people think. So if we start to unpack this a little bit, yes, there's no such, literally factually, you cannot be suspended for doing too many drug tests. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. What they're trying to say is uh, essentially they were not water compliant. That's why, you're, that's why you were going to get suspended. And you were openly saying we're not water compliant and openly saying we don't think being water compliant is a good idea and we're just not going to do it. Fine. If you want to do different type of drug testing, you 100% can. You just can't be a part of a global body that is, uh, their mandate is to be water compliant. So you got to part ways. So this is going to come. <laughs> okay, this is going to come. In when I was having a conversation with a friend earlier, this individual was saying, but listen, let me tell you how the testing goes. And they were walking me through how they do the testing. And like, because they would, they were an individual who would be doing testing. No, it's not airing for anyone listening. And they were saying, you know, it's all very over the board, very whatever. Like there is no, nothing shady happening. And I told this individual, listen, I 100% guarantee, like I believe you 100% you would never do something like this. But if I told you Russia did their own testing and they were like, trust me, I tested them myself. We do our own testing. Everything's above board. Everything's good, but we don't want third-party testing getting involved. We want to have complete control over this. Take our word for it. We're good. You would not feel comfortable. Kazakhstan's doing this. Whoever's doing this. If they're like, we want to do our own testing and we want complete control and autonomy over it and um, just take our word for it. Everything's good. You wouldn't, it wouldn't sit right. You would be like, you you wouldn't be like, like on the surface, you'd be like, no, no, no other nation would believe it. So this is where it becomes other sports have done this, where you give it up to a third party and be like, we have no influence. So when people say it's, it's, you know, the, where's the transparency? Like some people have said, like WADA has no transparency. They just can't release certain information to the global bot, like the federation that they're testing. You know, the, when that federation wants to tell WADA, you should test this guy. Okay, if, let, let's say I have 10 tests in my hands and you've now allocated five of them for me because you're telling me who you think I should test. Well, is that sound proper to you? If I went into Russia with only 10 tests in hand and Russia tried to point me in the direction of five lifters to test, wouldn't the rest of the world be like, hey, bud, maybe don't let them tell you how half of your test should go out the window and go and, and stick to... <laughs> What you do best is anti-doping. This is why. And I don't think, I'm not saying anyone's doing anything in bad faith. I think everyone's operating in good faith. I'm just saying, if you step back and you're not WADA or USAPL and you're just the fucking friendly neighbor Canadian, you'd be like, it makes sense. You aren't allowed to tell them who they should test or, or offer your input. They'd be like, I'm sorry, you can't. 
I'm a jury member of this trial. You can't influence me. You're not allowed. I have to have complete separation from you. That's how this is going to work. I'm just explaining this as the reason, the way WADA operates the way they operate. And in terms of um, in me, some people have given stories. I remember being at a competition and everyone got pulled off in drug tests. And I don't see people getting tested at in meets anymore. It has been proven in meat testing is, is, is not where it's at anymore. You want to catch doping cheats, almost all of them. And Roy, if you did that UFC research, I remember I'm a big UFC guy, MMA guy, and they started making doing a vast majority of their dirty failures because they were doing out of meat and catching people in meat is very difficult. Catching people out of meat is far easier. So when you have somebody who is not at all involved in your organization, can't give a heads up to anybody, is not associated to anybody. I'm not associated to you and your trainers and your coaches, nor your competitions, trainers and coaches or anything. And I'm coming out of nowhere, out of the blue, and I'm going to jump in here and drug test you out of nowhere. That has proven to be the best time to catch drug cheats, not sitting at the championship when it's on the calendar and you see the dates rolling by and you show up and I just hope to pull you off because you want to test you then. That is proven, we now know, very difficult to catch drug cheats, drug cheats. So the best way to catch people is for somebody to come in completely unassociated. I am not a part of either a friend of you nor an enemy to you or anything to you. I'm not in your community that you can say I'm associated with your coaching service or rival coaching service or anyone's coaching service. I'm coming in at an undisclosed time and I'm going to pull you aside and I'm going to drug test you. That has proven to be the best way to catch cheats. I'm just saying it because this is what the stats are looking like. And yeah, so for reference in 2020, I'm going to go back to UFC just because I've got, I've got the stats in front of me because I was just looking at them. Um, they did 3,557 tests of which 390 were in competition and 3,167 were out of competition. So about 90% of their testing is out of competition. And I think one of you guys shared a screenshot before that showed that Conor McGregor has been tested like 11 times already this year. And it's only like August. Dude's been asked to pee in a cup like every, every two weeks for the entire year so far. You better yeah. not catch him on a Sunday morning because I guarantee <laughs> he's got some narcotics in there. I, I went to the USA's website to see what stats are on there. And yeah, yeah, there's a database where you can search by sport and by year and put their name in. So yeah, I put in Conor McGregor, 2021, 11 tests. Amanda Nunes, 2021, eight tests. And I went and looked McCarthy. at the I went and looked at the stats for 2019 because I was like, okay, let's go before the pandemic. And actually, mixed martial arts has the most tests done by USADA of all the sports. And it's and you can break it. It's broken down by quarter in competition and out of competition. And it's around a thousand tests per quarter, with about nine hundred being out of competition and one hundred being in competition. So they're putting about you know ninety percent of their effort towards out of competition. And, and when it comes to like people say, there's no words of transparency. Like there is some people are also saying there's not trans. There is transparency. Someone pops or anything like this, you're gonna find out the, the amount of tests, etc. You're gonna find this out. What you're not going to have is control over what they're doing, but that is the point of it. That is the point of drug testing. There's a conflict of interest. If and 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 I know in America, like I, I I have faith. Like one of my friends, Arian, was one of these people in this position. I have faith in these people. I'm just saying, if you're from the other side of the world looking in, you'd be like this, or or if it was another nation who's like, hey guys. We're only, we're going to do our own testing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be okay with that. 
And if you say, well, allow WADA come in, WADA can come in to test at nationals. That's too late. They got to be in all the time. They got to be in, you know, they, they have to run their program. It can't just be at specific events. Um, Cause again, it's out of me contests. So it can't be throughout the year we do our thing. And then we bring you in for an event, um, which to my knowledge, wasn't that the case. What's, what's the question again? Um, is it like previous? Wada just came in for nationals, basically. Yeah, yeah. The times that we've used um, either USADA or the German lab has been for our national or international competitions, like yeah, Raw Nationals or the Arnold Schwartz Festival. Right, and this is again. So coming from a nation that's Wada compliant, I have to fill up my whereabouts uh, every, every single day all the time. And they could cat, they could go to my work. They could show up at my, at my gym. They could show up wherever they want and test me. But if you show up at my nationals, it's like the worst time to try to catch somebody. Um, so this is why, this is why when they say, well, we work, we're like, what a complaints. Like you, you're, you're missing the, you're missing the script here. <clears throat> and, and the UFC was a great um, comparison here, Rory, because yeah, nine, they look for 90% out of meat. And there's a reason why they trended there. Just want to I mean, throw that yeah, out. So USAPL does plenty of out of meat tests. It's just they're not third party tests. It's it's still Arian just Arian showing, showing up at your house. Yeah, right? Arian showing up at, you know, at work and saying, "Hey, let's go." Like, uh, I want to be I want to be really clear because I, I I did sound super negative before. It's not that I don't trust Arian. It's not that I don't trust any specific individual. It's that I don't trust a system that requires us to trust those individuals. Right. That's very well said, dude. That is very well said. And I don't think any, I don't think US would be comfortable with another nation who said that. Who's like, look at all of our out of meat testing essentially is going to be done by ourselves. You could try to catch us in competition. We'll invite you to our nationals when we know our nationals is coming and everyone knows it's coming and you guys are invited to show up. But leading into that, we're going to, we're going to do our own. And that's what our system is. That is, that will never, that will, that's going to be a hard sell for everyone else. Like the basis of America, man. I mean, come on. It's like everyone else in the world does it this way. Cool, cool, cool. We're going to do it this way. And, deal with it. <laughs> and they'd be like, bro, you trust me? Bro, you trust me? Dog, you call me a liar? <laughs> it would be like, oh, man, what is uh, happening right now? Uh, on the flip side, Bill, I wonder, because we don't know how much a water test costs in each country and how much the travel is. I wonder if it's because our capitalism in our country is the reason why the USADA tests are so much more expensive because they know they can get all this money from UFC. They know they can get all this money from weightlifting. And so true. In, an, in another country, the test might be way cheaper. So it's almost our, our downfall in this scenario as well. Right. Yeah. Especially with UFC, with, you know, that, you know, multi, multi-million dollar, um, you know, sport when they're able to actually pay for the, the, the testing and then it comes down to like powerlifting and weightlifting. We're like, what the fuck? Like we ain't got no money, bro. Come on. Like, yeah, give us a break. But if, yeah, if they're trying to give us the same pricing or whatever, I mean, again, if like, you know, Larry and USAPL were complaining about like what it was going to cost to do, like, I don't remember how many tests they said they had to do, you know, would bankrupt us. Like, can you imagine what, what 4,000 4, tests a year ends up costing? Like, oh, holy mackerel. Dana must be, uh, uh, imagine that's crazy. Yeah. Well, Dana, don't worry about Uncle Dana. They sold it for 4 billion. But, um, uh, speaking of money, they did mention uh, with the USAPL Pro Series coming out, I believe the figure was a $200,000 price tag. They said instead of allocating that towards IPF Worlds, uh, 
um, they be it allocated towards a pro series. Erin, do you want to maybe catch us up a little bit on that? Yeah, so for the, the kids following along at home, if you go down to the second to last paragraph, it says, we are deeply disappointed in this decision by the IPF. Our hearts go out to our national team members who have had the rug pulled out from under them. We released the announcement of our new pro series on social media earlier this week, which basically they announced like, you know, the logo and they said more information to come as far as schedule and everything like that. So now they're giving us some more details. Details will be coming soon, but one of the first details we want to share is that the monies previously allocated for participation in the IPF events will now be given directly back to the athletes. This new level of competition will pay out over $200,000 to our pro athletes and raise the level of competition to even greater heights. So that's a lot of fucking money. Was it $200,000 they were paying towards the IPF? How does no, that break no, with, with between expenses, you know, pay for drug testing, the expenses for the, the coaches and the referees and all that stuff. Um, and then I guess the, uh, what USAPL paid, what half of the registration fee was it Arian or something like that? Or no, I mean, I, I don't know all the direct expenses. I mean, the, the main expense I believe on the, in the rule book is that it's a 400 euro yearly membership fee to be part of the IPF. And then I believe for NAPF, it's a hundred dollar membership. It's the other things that Bill was saying, as far as head coaches, assistant coaches, referees, USA appeals paying for a lot of those expenses and giving them stipends to go. And there's a lots of world championships in North American championships. I think we have somewhere around 11 national team coaches. And then you obviously know each has multiple assistant coaches and we send one referee. So all that added up could be, you know, hundred thousand or more in expenses, depending on what the flights are, what the hotels are, that kind of stuff. But didn't they chip into the, um, like the, the lifter fee or whatever it was for the, the didn't USAPL pay a portion of the lifters um, entry or whatever? It, it's indirect cost because for yeah, example, okay. for example, the direct cost is 50 euro participation and 50 euro anti-doping. And then we do our OMT, but USAPL has to put money into their own organization to have someone do the paperwork, someone to send for the atomy testing. They cover like your mileage for your, for your gas and everything like that. And so those additional costs of, you know, secretarial work, accounting work, all this stuff is, is like hidden costs that you don't see. Even though the secretary and all you know, those coaches have already done all the work, all the paperwork and stuff like that. Now you ain't getting shit. Uh, I mean, I, I get paid as, as the, the national team coach, but also the USAPL secretary, Angela, is, is talking with all the different teams and submitting the nominations and doing all that. And she gets paid um, per year for being the secretary. Right. But I'm saying now that you're not, and even though you did all the paperwork and you know had to corral all the people and all that kind of stuff. And well, last, last year and, and this year, a number of us did work and we don't get any money. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, yeah. And plus they saved all that money from last year too. So that's where the 200K is probably coming from. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting. I, uh, it'll be interesting how it all rolls out. And if, like, it, it obviously appears as though the USAPL has no, no want to become water compliant. That is not going to change. Um, so an obvious split is coming. Is this split going to happen sooner rather than later? Or are they going to, roll this out and milk the suspension right up the full 12 months. Um, Obviously while they are a part of the IPF, a new affiliate cannot come into place. 
Um, they do not want their top stars necessarily on the IPF stage. That doesn't help them if they know we're leaving. We well, know according we're leaving. to their according to their letter, they do want that, and the IPF doesn't want that. Right. I'm just yeah, saying according right. according to what what was uh, just according read, to their letter, they got suspended for doing too many drug tests. Yeah. That well, was that I mean, was so, they did. So the yeah. the right strategic thing for the USAPL to do assuming that they eventually want to leave and do their own thing independent of the IPF, which for all of their social media posts and all of their press releases looks very much like that is what they do want to do. Um, again, talking about the leadership specifically here. Um, the right strategic thing for them to do is to milk the suspension for everything that it's worth, right? Like the longer that you can stand there and point fingers at someone specific, this case being the IPF, and be like, look, they're the bad guys. They're stopping you from doing what you want to be able to do and you're American, so you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. Um, and... <laughs> because we love you, we're putting on this pro series where we're going to give out $200,000. Um, so we're the good guys. Like the longer that they can do that, the better it looks for them, right? And also it prevents the creation of a new federation, which then would affiliate with the IPF. Um, and, and the sooner that that federation can start up and affiliate, the worse it is for the USAPL. So like the right thing for them to do is actually to milk this for as long as possible. 100%. And all of their yeah. biggest stars, Orhi, Connor. Uh, Amanda Lawrence, all of them will not be on the IPF platform on the IPF stream and helping anything towards the IPF. You are now, and it's not our fault. The IPF suspended you. You are now, you have to do you, well, you you're not going to worlds do our pro series. So you're going to be doing the pro series instead. Don't worry. We got you covered for at least the next year. So on that level, it would be, but you hope, and I don't know. That's like, if you want to go that route and milk that route to be like, all right, do we care if you're not on the IPF for us as an organization? We got It's better for our stars to stick with us if we know we're parting ways with the IPF. Why do we want to boost up the IPF World Championships and give them our stars and lend them our stars to help out? Um, there's a reason why the UFC, for instance, isn't going to do a cross-promotion with somebody else with their biggest stars. So keep them. Keep them. Put them in the pro series that you're trying to, you're trying to bump up. You've been advertising. And, um, and keep them, you got them at least for 12 months. You're right. You, you would ride the suspension out. And then if they want to throw on more, you just stay in place. The moment you leave, the moment you say we're gone, which they still might, I think, th I think this would be if you're for the lifters. I think more, the moral good decision would be is we, if you know for fact you do not want to be aligned with the IPF. You have different visions and it's not lining up. You step away and you allow another federation to come in. And if anybody wants to go the IPF route, they now can go the IPF route, qualify, go to the world championships. And then right. you could do your pro series. Yeah, sorry, a few things. So A, if they cared about those lifters, they wouldn't have not done the water testing to let them compete at IPF worlds when they were told multiple years ago, this is what you need to do or else you're going to be suspended. So that's a um, B I know I joined late. So was there anything, was there an actual judgment that we've seen like um, financially of like what, what USAPL owes? So basically whenever they owe money is most likely when they're going to be out. Right. Like there's probably a, cause, cause in that original, um, form or whatever or the, I guess it was the 
what was it, the IPF like um, suggested this should be the fine or whatever it is? Yeah, it was like 17,500 euros in right. total. So basically, once there's money owed at some point, then it's either pay or, you, or you're gone, right? I mean, that's, I would assume they can't just write it out for the whole year. And then on, you know, what's today's date? The 28th. So, you know, on August 28th next year, they're like, okay, cool. Now we're leaving. Yeah, the problem and, at the moment and we're is not Right. The only statement we've seen is the USAPL one. We haven't seen the official letter from the IPF. We haven't seen any statement from the IPF. Um, we haven't seen the the outcome of the doping hearing panel. So everything right. that we're getting is through the USAPL PR Insta spin. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I also wonder if you can appeal it to the IPF appeals committee without paying the fine because you're appealing it saying that right. the fine, I shouldn't pay it. So yeah, yeah for sure. That, 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 that could, could delay it possibly a little bit. But, right. if you, but again, eventually they're going to owe money. Yeah. And then I don't, is it worth it to them? Maybe to pay $20,000 to <laughs> string it out for a year? Yeah, maybe. It, maybe. Let, anyone listening, listen, if you are the USAPL and you know you are not water compliant, you don't want to be water compliant, and that's fine. That's, let's just say that's fine. Agree to disagree. How do you, how do you, justify sticking around to block a new fed coming in so people can if they choose to go the ipf route they have that avenue they have the, the, prob freedom the problem to is the problem is that the the ethics clearly point in one direction and the game theory clearly points in the opposite direction right and so a self-interested party not saying a selfish party necessarily a self-interested party is likely to choose the thing which is best for their self-interest even if it is not best for like the world as a whole. And that's a, that's a general problem, right? Like that comes up all the time. That's the same reason that uh, people drive cars that, that burn a hole in the environment over Australia and New Zealand, right? Like it's because the ethical decision and the decision which is in your own self-interest aren't, aren't well aligned. I will tell you this. If the USAPL decides before we get fined, before any of that, we're going to back out because you know what? we don't want to we've like this has been years in the making some people are saying like well it's been months it's been years this has been a fight that's been going on for years and they know the writings in the wall they know we're not water compliant we don't want to be water compliant at some point this is going to come to a head so it's been years that is it hasn't been months but if if they know we we're never going to be water compliant we all know we're going to split the most ethical thing to do is to step aside let a new Fed come. So those lifters that are being barred from going to the worlds, you can't cry crocodile tears for them if you know your presence fighting to be aligned with the global body is blocking their pathway when you know you have absolutely no interest in actually staying with this global body. You're just blocking the pathway for a new federation to come for those lifters to possibly take that new Fed on and go that route. Um, and... I don't know if the USAPL is going to do that. I'm not ready to, to throw the judgment in and say that is what they're going to do. They might surprise us all, come out and say, you know what? We, we, it wasn't in the interest of blocking anybody. They were doing this. We legitimately want to work this out. Now we know we can't work this out. Come to the realization we're about to back away. 
and we're not going to write out a suspension and then stick around and you guys will try to have to suspend us all over again. So another set of people miss another world. And oh, by the way, there's more than just classic worlds. Eventually there's going to be equipped worlds, bench only worlds, bench only equipped worlds, and all these other world championships, more and more national teams miss out. Um, so the USAPL might be like, no, it stops here. For, for the lifters, we know we're not, we don't want to be a part of this Fed. If you lifters want to be and go to the worlds, we're not going to be the ones stopping you until we get our pro series ready, et cetera. If they cared about the lifters, they would have sent them to the NAPF so they could actually have competed internationally. Talk about it. Don't just throw it out there because some, let's, let's act like the I mean, listeners don't know what you're talking about. So tell the story. Yeah. So there's the North American championships was two weekends ago or whatever it was. And basically the USAPL decided not to nominate any lifters for that because they were um, worried about the judgment or whatever was happening with the IPF suspension. But then literally like three days after nominations were due for the NAPFs and they couldn't send in nominations anymore. They decided to send nominations in for all the other world championships, you know, the classic um, bench and equipped world championships. So if they legitimately cared about the lifters, they would have at least done that NAPF because they actually would have competed in that. And there would have been hundreds of lifters that wanted to do that competition. And it was in what, Orlando? It was in the U.S., for God's sake. Yeah, it was, it was in the U.S. It was in Orlando. I think it was three, two weekends ago, whatever it was. Um, and yeah, so I mean, literally, like if they cared about the lifters, and this was not just the national champions that would have went to this this was you know a much bigger event where they can send a bigger teams um to to these um regional these regional international events which are nice but um yeah it sucks so then basically you lost out on a whole year two whole years of international competition now because of them caring about the lifters and why do you think they just said nobody's going to lift at the NA, at the North American championship. Couldn't tell you. They literally, like, like I said, they, they changed their, they changed their mind three days later and put in nominations for the uh, world championships. So I, I could not tell you, you know, if you would have said that they didn't put any nominations in for the world championships and I'd be like, fine. They were totally like anti IPF at the point. They knew some sort of suspension was coming or this, that, whatever, or they're just boycotting. I get it. Like I at least it not. would have been consistent, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it just made, made no sense whatsoever to literally be hosting the event in America. And Larry, the president of the USAPL is also the president of the North American Powerlifting Federation. So he's basically hurting his own federation by hurting both of his federations by not letting them do this. It made right. no sense. So now today, if you're the USAPL, the best thing that you can do for all of the lifters not just a bunch of your lifters, but actually all of them, is to immediately unaffiliate from the IPF, like today, and allow the beginning of a new federation to start. And so all of that stuff, which doesn't happen overnight, can, can start rolling. And people who want to remain affiliated with the IPF can start doing that. And people who care more about the pro series or the USAPL specifically, or, or whatever the case may be, can stay with the USAPL. Any other decision is actually does not have the best interest of the lifters at heart, no matter how it is spun, right? Correct. How, how, if, if, their, if their decision is to leave the, in the best interest of all lifters involved, them leaving as soon as possible is the best case for everybody. 
Sorry, the sorry. There's actually there's actually two possible good outcomes, right? One of them is they decide we will become wider compliant and they yeah, start yeah, immediately yeah, right, working right. on that. Yeah. Or if they decide they don't want to do that, they immediately unaffiliate. Any other yeah. decision is not good. Let's take them at the word and let's say that they 100% do not want to be water compliant. They don't believe in water compliancy and that's just not going to happen. And let's not enter into a debate whether water compliant is better than their testing. Let's just leave all that aside. Let's just say, because like, I, whatever, that's fine. I'm not even mad at anybody who I believe in water, but if you don't, I don't, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, it's, it's cool. It's just, um, I, let's just say they don't believe in water compliancy. They don't want to become water compliant. Is there any conceivable way that you could still say you are pro lifter and doing this for the lifters and remain an IPF affiliate when you categorically do not believe in their system, have said over and over you do not, and you staying in there stops any lifters from going to the IPF through a new affiliate? Is there any way that you can have both? Is there? Because I don't see it. Can you say that again? I didn't, I, that didn't All make right. sense. Is there any All way right. that you could be pro lifter? Right. Like they're saying but remain an IPF affiliate knowing you will never be water compliant and that a split is inevitable, but you're going to hold your place as a placeholder and, and essentially block an IPF affiliate from coming in. The only well, way that you can do that is if you believe that the IPF is actively bad for powerlifting as a whole. And, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you could possibly believe that to be true. But if you did believe that, that the IPF was like actually evil and was like actually a negative force on the world, then that could be, then that could be true. So you harming them be like, no, we have to stop you guys from lifting there because we're doing, <laughs> we're doing you a favor. We're doing everybody a favor, blah, blah, blah. Cause you are def you were definitely strategically placed there at that point. Cause why are you affiliated with somebody you don't want to be affiliated with? doesn't make sense. I, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, that was literally my answer too. Is like we are, we are right, you are wrong. We're making sure everyone knows you're wrong. You know, it's very very American for sure. <laughs> it's very American. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough for me, man. Um, I always try to look at it like I think all parties are operating in good faith. So I'm going to look at just just if I just clean the slate. I know, sorry. I no parties in this are operating in good faith. Let's just start. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a good case to be made that neither party is. It's still, but, it's still um, a level playing field. <laughs> but if if we just say that, if we just say that that both are operating in good faith, I think if the IPF was hoping the USAPL, USAPL would turn around and the USAPL was hoping the IPF would turn around and they were both hoping they would at some point reach an agreement. Can we all agree we are long past that and all parties now are probably putting up their hands like, why are we still dancing to this song? Yeah, I think we're I, all there. I, I think you, you make a good point that, yeah, both parties are acting in good faith and believe in what they are, are fighting for. Um, I think part of the reason why you may have seen some difference in the original social media posts versus now, and why you may have seen some difference in not nominating lifters before versus now, is that maybe before when they were trying to fight, fight and do meetings and have different options, well, what if we do this system? What if we do that system? What if we go through this process? In that case, they're like, okay, let's continue the fight. Let's continue to attack. Let's not nominate lifters. But now more recently, it seems like, okay, we tried all the options none of them their ipf is not going and ceases is not going for any of them so there's no other option but to us to split 
So then that's when they changed their idea and said like, Hey, seems like it's a splits happening. Let our lifters compete for the rest of the year. And then we're over. And then, then this judgment came down. So they're not going to lift for the rest of the year, but it could still be over. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to add is that maybe a lot of people listening only know entities. They know USAPL or they know USAPL EC. They don't know the actual people. And so they, you know, assume, oh, USAPL is bad. They, they're going to do this on bad faith or they're just trying to screw over lifters. I, I know a lot of them. I mean, it's, it must be tough for them. I mean, they have a lot of stress going on with a lot of different things. So while your best business tactic might be whatever, plan A, there may be another plan where like, okay, well, you're attacking or you're fighting US, uh, USAPL's fighting the IPF on the Arnold World Record still. They're fighting the IPF on this drug testing. They're fighting USPA for membership. They're fighting COVID restrictions and what, what meets they can run. They're still fighting the transgender lawsuit in Minnesota. How many things can that EC on a voluntary basis handle and deal with? Or is it worth saying, let's just not put our time, money, and effort into this, and let's focus on these other things and the pro series and nationals and move on? And I think some of them may go with that path. They, they might vote for that and say, listen, it's over. Let's just move on. Let's focus on these other things and let's focus on the future. You'd have battle fatigue with all those fighting you just mentioned. And um, I, I, listen, I honestly, man, I think most people are good at the heart and uh, are operating good faith. That's, your, that's your biggest fault. Well, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I've been told the same thing but that I'm, I, na- that I'm I, naive. I think, um, I think, I think if you, if we knew, all right, that kind of threw me for the, it is true though. I've been told this, all right. But I do honestly believe that most people, when you get to know them, you get close to them, kind of like Arian said, you're like, okay, they're not that bad. Um, it is true. Some people will operate in terms of what's best for themselves or so, almost like a survival tactic or, you know, what's best for you might not be best for all, but I do think if the writing's on the wall, they're going to pull out, we're going to find out real quick. Anyways, put it this way. Um, if, if we get indication that they're going to ride out this suspension and not leave, you kind of know. It'll be harder and harder to justify six months down the road when everybody who's a supporter for the USAPL and anti-IPF is like, just leave, just leave. We've been saying just leave for close to, when it gets close to like a year anniversary, people saying just leave. And uh, they're like, what are we still doing here? Then you got to start asking questions. If that starts happening, if they don't leave at a certain point, it'll get harder and harder for them to justify staying. And um, people start questioning the motives and it starts becoming this, this looks more and more strategic. If they well, leave, yeah, that's, that's the motive to stay is to increase their business. Right. And ball right. and block, block competition. You, you, you're, you, while you're getting your pro series together, you don't end up have another fed taking away anybody. Any right. So if you're scared, you're going to lose these higher level lead, elite lifters to the IPF then stay there. Don't let them compete and get the, they end up competing with you. Do you think you're delaying? Maybe they like it. Maybe they win some money and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, this isn't so bad. You got a point. You got a chance to win them over. It's the inevitable that the, that it's going to happen. But before the inevitable happens, you try to sell people, both the viewers, the stars and everybody try to sell it, do your best for sure. It's like you get, you get like a one year head start versus doing it the other way right like imagine imagine you're starting a business and there's a competitor and you and you just there's one decision that you can make that makes them not be able to start for 12 months or 12 months from now you are 
established. You've got regular customers, which is what the USAPL members become, right? Like, it's a no-brainer. But like, strategically, it's a no-brainer. But there is other other factors there, right? Right. Yeah, but do you feel like you're just delaying the inevitable? Like you're focusing on the next one or two years rather than the next ten or twenty years. Like eventually, like you said, an IPF affiliate will come, and eventually, lifters will want to go through the IPF affiliate to Worlds. But under no circumstances would you not be able to convince me I wouldn't want that affiliate to be coming a year later. Yeah, like, like it, I don't think it's a, I don't, I don't think it's making a trade-off there, right? Like, it's a optimizing for one year from now versus optimizing for ten years from now. You're actually making the same decision today. Like, it's not, it's not. I'm going to hurt myself one year from now for a ten-year advantage, or I'm going to, or vice versa. It's like what, what helps you in the one-year range will probably still be a good decision like 10 years down the line. So like, I actually, I actually don't think those things are in, in conflict with each other. The, the, yeah. the other thing I wonder that could maybe be a tough decision is if any of those EC members want to compete or coach or referee in the IPF in the future, almost the entire EC has competed or coached in a world championship before. Some of them may be still interested in doing so. So if you make the relationship so bad and you're indebted in, to the IPF for so much money and drag it on for so long, I wonder how that would feel like going to Worlds and how you would be treated or whether they'd find a way yeah. to not, not let you go to Worlds. Um, for the, on an individual level, I'm not sure. I think on an individual level, if you were to leave the USAPL and join a new IPF affiliate, I'm pretty sure they're going to take you with open arms. And well, the IPF, I think there'll be like, it's the same. I think they, they can't afford to be too uh, petty. Is that what you mean? I mean, I'm pretty sure the IPF blocked some powerlifting Australia members strictly for what they said on social media and attacked the IPF. Oh, that's different though. Okay, so it's a little different. Are you saying like specific people who went on an attack, like a, a part of a campaign saying like, that's that's a little different. I mean, I, like I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know what's what's been said and what's been done, but it could be like the, the whole package of like, you know, what, what, what was said, how much money is owed, you know, how long you try and drag this out on purpose. And well, that's then try- not indiv- so you put what was said is individual money owed. How long you dragged it out is an individual to body. So you can't put them both together, but so that's where I'm kind of splitting. Yeah, so if it's the, the powerlifting Australia thing was specific comments, right? Like I don't remember the exact verbiage, but there's something in our, in our agreement to be part of a national federation and, and, and therefore part of the international federation is that we have to represent our federation well when we're in public, right? And so like my federation choosing to do something different versus me going on Instagram and being like, fuck Gaston, fuck the IPF, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like those are really, really different things. And a lot of the powerlifting Australia people, oh, not a lot of the power, like some of the powerlifting Australia people had been doing that, the second option where they'd been, you know, specifically calling things out and like, really bad faith ways on on social media which is not acting in good faith and it is not representing your federation well which is different to powerlifting as australia as a whole deciding to go hey actually we want to we want to do our own thing now um though that was obviously a lot more complicated than i made it sound just then Uh, i don't want to i don't want to realize that first off can you just make ryan can you make sure you get me that snippet of when gary said um (laughs) f the president real quick so i can use that later on i'm sorry Um, did you just call me gary i heard the same thing what did i say gary gary Gary, I thought, was, I thought it was a Rory, sorry. Um, but I think one of the other big, big issues here with this whole thing is like Arian saying with the EC possibly going back, whatever, is like the IPF ruling that just came out that you 
can't be part of another non-WADA compliant federation. So literally coaches, lifters, referees cannot be part of USAPL. Well, I mean, technically you can't be part of USAPL and the IPF anyway, because it's a non-WADA non compliant federation. But if there is a, at some point, um, a IPF affiliate in the United States, you can't go back and forth between the two. I'm sorry. If you're planning on going to a world championship, you can't be back and forth between the two. Well, yeah, or yeah. Na nationals yeah. is, the, is the new addition. Oh, that's right. That's right. Nationals also. Correct. But I don't know if they're going to enforce it. Right. But let's, let's say everyone follows the it's, rules. It's, let's just, let's yeah. just say everyone follows the rules. You wouldn't be able to compete at nationals in both federations. If you were only competing locally, you could jump backwards and forwards locally. And that would, that would be fine. Right. But I'm, I'm more talking about like the coaches, like, yeah. Um, that have lifters the that big one, right? go to IPF Worlds, but also would want to stay and win money. So they couldn't actually go back and forth and like handle their people at Worlds and go handle them at their, you know, pro pro whatever meet in USA. That becomes quite a hard business decision, actually, if you yeah. have to commit one way or the other. Right. Yeah. So yeah, real quick, just to read it off of the Constitution, Section 14. It says, yeah, any athlete, coach, referee, or official that participates in any competition which is organized by a sporting body that has not received recognition from WADA and is thus non-compliant with the code shall be automatically rendered ineligible and shall not be permitted to take part in any authorized national or international powerlifting event for 12 months from the date of last non-compliant event. And then it says, if you uh, continue to do it, an additional 12 months from the date of non-compliant event will be added on for a maximum of 24 months. The decision to extend the period of ineligibility will be at the sole discretion of the Anti-Doping Commission. So technically, they could extend it further. Right. So, so what happens at the end Doesn't Ireland months? do that meet though? It doesn't Ireland have like some sort of big meet over there? I mean, technically, all us USAPL coaches, athletes, and referees are twelve months right, suspended. Right. That's what I was saying. Even but, before I mean, this I decision, like Irish, I know. But like, doesn't the Irish coach have like that big meet he has at his own gym or something like that? That's uh, like ABS something or other. Yeah, that's clearly throw. not a lot of run meet. Yeah. Um, so I guess they don't really take a look at that. And I mean, it, it, this went to place January 1st. So one, I wonder, yeah, how long it is before they enforce it or if they do enforce gotcha. it, or if the apps pro meet says, Hey, we're an unsanctioned meet. What's that have to do with anything? We're just a gym meet. I don't know. Hey, um, Ariam, what does the constitution say happens after that 24 months? So it says 12 month ban. If you keep doing it, another 12 month ban, what happens after that? You get kicked out, you get fined. Like what, what happens yeah. then? That, that's when it says the decision to extend the period is at the sole discretion of the anti-doping commission. Oh, that's again, after the 24, they can then, they can again go, actually, we're going to make a new decision and we're going to, we're going to extend it again. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Things are going to get, look at 2022 is, 2022 is going to be spicy. We could, we could, hopefully we will have a new federation that's IPF affiliated I'm not saying this is, oh, um, I'm saying this literally for the lifters, not for myself. I'm not American. This is going to affect me directly. My path and everything that happens with me doesn't. But for people who want to go to IPF Worlds, you got to give them a pathway and, um, and let them choose. And that's it. Let the, everyone, everyone in the U.S. says, let the market dictate. The, the best, if the market is always right, then you allow entry into the market and let the market dictate. So people who want to go the IPF route, so you go local nationals qualifier, IPF worlds. And if you're an SPD athlete, here, here's a route for you. 
Okay. Cause I know the pro series is talking about some people have been putting in, um, would you rather win worlds or possibly uh, multiple times or possibly win money? But I don't think so. Again, I've said it on the podcast and some people don't seem to be picking up the type of money that's involved the IPF route. So when you were SPD sponsored, I'm going to use SPD because I know their money um, in terms of uh, what they give out. I don't know the figures for other companies and I'm sure they do sponsorships as well with money, but I'm more comfortable using this. You're a sponsored athlete. You could fly as a 20 something to the other side of the world. This case would be Europe, all expenses paid, get new kit. What is that? Two to $3,000. You win your weight class, not the event, best lifter, but your weight class. You get five, and I'm told it went up to 6K this year. Um, somebody slid in my DMs and told me this, but whatever. Five to $6,000 in your pocket right there. What are we at? Five, $6,000 with two to 3,000 on top of that with expenses. We're getting close to $9,000 range right there. And oh, by the way, you punched your ticket to Sheffield, which is now in the UK. So you could possibly fly to Sheffield, all expenses. Again, another couple K. So we're over $10,000, either cash or expenses paid. And you're flying around the world like a true professional athlete. And you have the now... They had, I mean, the previous prize package, you're breaking records and you're making money, you're winning over all the, it was a, a, an enormous amount of money that was on the line, you know, far more than any of the meets we would see previously or going to see. If you go, that's the IPF route. So when people start talking like, look, would you rather go IPF for worlds or would you rather try to make some money? You can have both going the IPF route. You know, I, I don't know if people, it hasn't been said enough. And when I say this on the podcast, I posted Hey, did you know the IPF is probably the biggest money meet in terms of money being handed out? And people in the comment section of that video I clipped and put on the King of the Instagram was like, that can't, that's gotta be bullshit, man. Come on, man. I'm calling you out. This is wolf tickets. And I'm like, Doug, I'm getting this. This is, this is, this is real. This is real stats. This is the money being doled out. It is what it is, kid. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not making this up off the top of my head, man. Um, so I don't think people realize the money. Maybe the general population of powerlifting is never going to make it that far fair. So you probably won't make that kind of money. But that is the money for the top end people. And then it'd be hard to tell somebody, how can I talk you out of being a world champion for, can I talk you out of being a world champion for $3,000? Probably not. If I'm going to tell my kids, my grandkids and for the rest of my life, I'm a legit world champion. A federation has 120 nations attached to it. I go against people all over the world and become a world champion. You tell your friends, you tell your coworkers, you tell anybody, you know, you, they don't have to know any more than world champion, right? That you're not going to buy that for $3,000 from very many people. You can't walk up to many world champions in many sports and be like, I'll give you $3,000. And you were never a world champion in your sport. Most of those people would be like, is that what you think it's worth? <laughs> Is that, is that what you think that memory of that international competition and everything that went with it, all the hard work, everything you think three, three K like that's, it's not going to be the money that's going to entice people. I don't think if that's the selling point, I don't think that's it. Um, I'm not saying I'm not putting down the pro series. I think it's great. I think I, I, I do it, have these competitions, have the best in, in the nation that you can gather, show up and battle it out. And if a few people make a few thousand dollars here and there, that's great. I'm just saying if that is the enticement to not go to worlds, that's a tough one for me, for me. Anyways, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Aren't we still talking about the same 1% of lifters here? Yeah. I mean, in reality, like yes. the people that are going to win money 
are more than likely at these pro series are more than likely the ones that are going to qualify for IPF worlds. Beat Ashton Ruska for that money, bro. Beat Taylor thing. Atwood. Taylor Atwood's going in December to Sabres meet. I mean, in, in fairness, we don't know what the structure of, of this, of this uh, pro that's series true. is going to look like. For, that's what yeah, I mean. Right. right. So, so right. I mean, but, but in, it, it will likely, likely be the same group of people, um, right. but so, there may it, be some sort of divisioning that, that makes it like, yeah. So I was going to say like, so when I did Virginia state championship, in may um it's the same guy who's running that like big money meet in virginia also and what it was was every single division every single open division had a monetary prize on it so the top three in each weight class got 500 300 100 or something like that depending on how many people were in your weight class you could win more money ashton shows up at every one of these things he literally just shows up he does like openers he wins best lifter wins wins his weight class so he leaves with like 15, 16, 1700 bucks and he goes home. But like still when, you know, I, ha- I had, you know, a bunch of people that I coached there also. And a lot of these people who can't even qualify for nationals are walking out of a meet with 300 bucks in their pocket, a hundred bucks in their pocket. Like that's cool. That's something that they will always, always, always remember. Like, cool. you, know, you walked out of this thing, you get cash in a hand kind of thing. You know like, I mean? it's, it's not life-changing money, but it's a right. really cool experience. Anyway. It is cool. Correct. So if you're doing like that kind of thing throughout the Federation, it's going to have a much bigger impact than handing out 25 K to one person at a meet or something like that. If that makes any sense. No, I, I know. I know what you mean. Right. I don't know. Because like, I mean, everyone at this competition, with the exception of Ashton is not going to ever go in IPF worlds. The, the only thing, I don't know the feasibility or logistics of like how many checks can hand out to how many people they have, like the, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure here. Yeah, but if you have $200,000 and you give 4,000 each state and say, Hey, run your state championship. Here's four grand money. And dole it out that way. I mean, I'm just saying like, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that, you know, that, you're, that basically, you're basically touching way more people with that. than just yeah, saying so there's, an, Here's there's an option that you give. Doing. It's going to be Amanda versus Ashton versus Taylor at each one of them. And then here's your money. But then everyone else yeah, so like, why the fuck are we still here? Like, what's the, what's, the, why don't we just go to USPA or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What's the point? Go ahead. Yeah. So it's dep- depending on the structure of this pro series, it could end up being like a small amount of money going to the top 10% of lifters rather than a lot of money going to the top 1% of lifters or something like that. And because we don't know, it's very, it's very hard to look at that and say, look like that, that's not worth it. Um, like it depends on what you want out of it. It depends like what that structure ends up looking like, you know, um, it might be set up in such a way that, that Ashton can't go and win all of the money or Taylor Atwood can't go and win all of the money, even if he tried really hard. I would but say, yeah. So this is what I would say. If you're amongst the 1% or elite, like uh, the, the superstars, that would be tough to negotiate you out of world title with the money that goes involved with the world title and then Sheffield and the money that goes involved with Sheffield. That would be tough to talk those one percenters out. But for the other people that there's far more of them, exactly. If the pay structure is like more geared towards, um, like you said, the top 10 percenters as opposed to the top one percenters, maybe, um, maybe we're talking here. Maybe, you know what I mean? I'm look, look at man. If I top 10% make a little coin, like Bill said, it feels good to make a little, it's not life changing money, but how cool is it to walk away with a check? And you're like, hey, whatever. I made a little bit of money here. I, look, dinner's on me. Drinks are on me. You know, you tell your girl, we, we're going to Sizzle. <laughs> but I, mean, I just want to back around again to like what, IP, what the USAPL has kind of been saying this whole time is like, we're not in this for the top 
percent of lifters. That's why we're fighting this IPF thing, right? The, 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 you know, they keep saying the Federation is about the masses. It's not about the 1% or top 5% or 10%, whatever it is. So what are you actually doing for those people? I guess they're, they're, those, those are the people that like the more drug testing, I guess, is, is that's what they're doing for them. But I have um, to say, I really like that rhetoric, but I'm not sure that the USAPL has always acted in a way that is consistent with that. Of course, of course, of course, right. Um, but again, the same thing is there going to be money for bench only people, there's going to be money for masters lifters or sub juniors or juniors, or is it just open lifters? Because then you're, again, cutting it down to a subcategory of like okay we're just worried about these people and not everyone else kind of thing so again going against your word and then hopefully there is money though it would be like hey the, the M- m3s here's your here's your money let's go ryan you'd be all set bro <laughs> <laughs> dog i'm like six months older than you uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you have uh, to slide that in there <laughs> but uh no it, it's you i know i know 200k sounds like a lot of money but if it's spread out throughout a full year several meets Etc. You will have to pick your your path. So if you, well, here it is. Then. Let, let, let's if you go that route, like that's pretty cool. Where if you hit like the top ten, right? So people who went to nationals who were you know second, third, fourth, fifth are going to be collecting checks. But do, you might lose some of the the top top end, like the people who won nationals who were like, well, I could go to Worlds make more money, and then go to a Sheffield make far more money and be a world champion and blah blah blah. So then it becomes, um, do you want to retain your stars? Do you do you how? It, it's it's tough because you can't cover all bases. It get, it becomes very difficult. I don't know. I'm very interested, and I'm not looking, man. It sounds good, anyways. Whoever sticks with the USAPL. I'm sure they're going to do the best to take care of you. And I'm sure, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure. I, maybe they say, maybe they, they're like, look at, do we concede? If we take a look at the money that can be made going through the IPF system and then going all the way up through Sheffield, if you can't match that dollar for dollar and you don't have the prestige of a world title attached, maybe you say that's, that's a loss than trying to match that. Maybe you don't try to match it. Maybe that's a poor business decision to try to match it when you know you can't. So you go another route. Like Bill's kind of saying. Sorry, sorry. I was just looking at this. So the 2020 payouts for the Arnold for USAPL was $45,000. Right? So you're basically saying you're going to do that four times throughout the year, which is cool. But again, it's the top two or three in each one of those competitions, not even weight classes, not even whatever, is getting money. Holy fuck, see how the money goes that quickly. And, and I mean, it depends. Like, like Ryan said, I'm interested too of how they set the series. Cause like, let's say you have to do multiple meets to get to the premier meet. Let's say you have to do a state pro meet, then a regional pro meet. And then the Arnold is the top dog. It's like, okay, you have to qualify, get to the Arnold to the top dog. And that's probably where the most money is going to be. Or maybe it could be all the money. Like maybe the, the state pro meet just gets you into the next system. You don't actually win any money there. So they could throw all 200 K into the Arnold, the pro, the main one, or maybe smaller prizes along the way. Um, some, and maybe some, people would, some people would be happy to just say like, hey, I made it to the regional pro meet. So yeah, that's, that's so in Virginia, that's Sabres. Cool. Like um, that was his original idea was like every single competition, he's going to have a, a pro, pro division, right? And the top two in each of those pro divisions from every single one of his meets throughout the year gets to go into the, in the, in the end of the year, gets to go to this one big money meet where he's going to put all the resources in 
So I think that's what's going to happen next year. So like, again, like, you know, this year he has the, he decided to scrap that idea and be like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to, you know, try to get everybody I can get to go to this meet, um, you know, the, you know, the top, whatever, 20, 24 in the country. Um, but originally that was his plan was like every single one of these meets, cause he does one, at least one a month, he's going to have the top two or three in each one of those um, meets qualify for this pro meet at the end of the year and have this big Virginia pro meet. Um, so maybe the USA kind of follows USAPL kind of follows that and they do some sort of regionals with that. Maybe that would be kind of cool. Or I, I don't know how it would work. Yeah. But yeah, it could be interesting to see. Uh, look at it. It sounds cool enough. And we are used to seeing a gradual progression for athletes in most sports from amateur to pro and on up. Um, Again, we do have something like that in place that I think a lot of people are ignorant of and not fully aware that, you know, you, you, you go to the, you win your nationals, you go to worlds, you win worlds, you go to Sheffield and along the way, you actually are collecting money. And some people like just don't get it, man. I'm surprised, but it is what it is. But um, the difference would be that along the way, the scenery keeps changing. So it keeps it interesting. So if you go to, and that's the toughest part with powerlifting, I don't want to watch the same three people in the battle it out over and over, or the same 10 people keep battling it out over and over. Powerlifting isn't like hockey, baseball, basketball, uh, whatever. You can't watch it. It's, it's closer to boxing or MMA in that I can watch two guys fight and have a rematch. But if you told me the same two guys are going to fight five times this year and five times next year, like, listen, by the third match, you don't have me, <laughs> you know, I'm going to need something else. So that's where, um, when you started off at a local level, the nationals, then you went to the world championships, it became new people and it got bigger and bigger. And oh my God, now people from all over the world, there's that excitement. And then Sheffield was supposed to be something entirely different altogether. And you could only qualify by being a world champion, which is a very unique, high prestigious award. So I'm not saying they can't do something. They, they, they're going to have to be very creative to make powerlifting able to, and I'm a powerlifting nerd, but for to have my appetite that I'm going to watch conceivably the same people in the same nation battle it out more than twice a year. If it's two to three to four to five, like you're going to start losing me real quick or your nationals just won't be very spicy to me anymore because I've seen it five times a year. I mean, if they're lucky enough to have like, they go back and forth, right. Where you're like, you know, like in tennis, when you had like, um, like Nadal and Federer or whatever, where they, you know, you know, they were, no one was winning every single competition, right? It was like, you know, he would win on the, the, the clay, he would win on the grass, and they were kind of split when it went to other surfaces, whatever. But, like, it doesn't happen that way, at least not, not right now. There's no, like, one weight class where it's, like, going back and forth and back and right. forth and back and forth. So, yeah, so hopefully – What's let's that? do let's let's do you know just like clay and regular let's do you know raw raw with wraps bench only yes. yeah, See, now we're talking everyone has to do something different see who's this better is the, idea <laughs> this is the idea we need two bills point though you're, you're strong three months later the strength doesn't change enough where um like like in those other sports strategy and the way the ball bounces could literally change oh, totally, totally. The that's, that's what bounces. i'm saying there, there's no back and forth like, right so, yeah, yeah the way our sport is made gravity is gravity and you have to get stronger to change it. Whereas like the difference in three months is not going to be enough. Six months is okay. We might see a difference here, but it's not. So, but that's two shows a year. So it, it depends, but maybe they're like, look, we'll split it up. We do the heavyweights this time. We do the lightweights this time we do. the. So that's how the series changes. 
I don't know. Arians on to something here. I don't know, man. Like, oh, I don't like that idea. I'm going to be honest. More, get out of here because you, you're mixing the, the equip guys with the you raw You start guys off raw the, by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, you have to go adding more equipment. Zone and, but, like, Bo and Nico's going to win all the money. Yeah, I saw someone suggest on Instagram today doing uh, making the most super total meets as well. Squat, bench, deadlift, uh, snatch, clean, oh, and jerk. Like, that would mess it up a little bit. In America, the super totals with the curl, buddy. Okay, come on. <laughs> Squat, bench, deadlift, curl, snatch, clean, and jerk. Let's go. There we go. That's now my kind of mate. That's a there joke, by the way. How was everybody doing for time, by the way, Aaron? I thought we would have lost you a while ago. You good? You good, uh, Playboy? Good for now. Okay. It'd be, for- it'd, be, it'd be interesting, though. I mean, maybe from the regional level and up. Like, let's say Ashton beats everyone in his state and, like, Jake beats everyone in his state. Then you go to the regional and they got to go head to head each other. And then from there, let's say Ashton beats Jake. Ashton goes to the finals. Now he has to meet Bryce in the finals. So you get like, you know, maybe a couple good matchups like that within your state, then regionals, and then the Arnold, whatever it is in a year. But then he had an idea still like, yeah, the second year, do you want to see Ashton versus Jake for the Southeast region again? I do like the idea of maybe having, sorry, I'll let you go in one sec. Let me get this one idea. If you have pools, so Ashton has to beat th- this A pool. Bryce is coming up through B pool and they advance and meet at the end. I don't know if there's that much compelling pools to make it all the way through. If people like, yeah, I really only give a shit about the end when Ashton and Bryce face, like I'm not going to follow it through. It's not like that, but conceivably, if you were like, what if we have matchups leading to the inevitable big showdown? It, it Essentially what we're doing is we're taking the world model and we're bringing it to the national model and just because like at worlds you're separated by nation so you become the best in your nation oh i can't wait to see what happens when brett and russ go together and you see it at worlds but if they're doing with but if they're doing with points they don't have to be the same weight class that's the kind of where they can get a little bit more interesting right i'm not a big points guy I don't think you right, are too. right, but this is going to have to be. This is for money. It's going to. Ha- it's going to have to be points, right? Ah, that's that's fudge. the whole thing. Like it I get it has it. to be points or evenly spread money across all weight classes, right? Which, exactly. Which changes the way the competition works as well, because it means people are, are going to try and get into weight classes where it's less competitive, so they're more likely to win and things like that, right? Like Let, or, let's add, let's or, let's combine weight classes like World Games. Let's right. be honest or, right now. Let's be no, honest, just, just look at the Virginia money meet that's coming up. It's literally 24 lifters combined by points for the top five spots for money. That's yeah. literally what it is. And you have to assume that that's what this is all going to be with the USAPL. Can we right? be totally honest right now, though? Do you guys prefer a competition where it's by points and formula and that's how you find out? Or do you like head-to-head matches like you see at U.S. Raw Nationals, like you see at Worlds, where it's like stacked one through five, same weight class, let's rock and roll. Coaching, I can I, I like both coaching wise. To as a watch, viewer, pre- as a viewer, as a viewer, I prefer head to head. Like as a viewer, I would rather watch uh, Russ and Brett go back and forth and be within you know five or ten kilos of each other the whole time than Ray Williams go against Sergey Fedosenko and the difference in their total is four hundred kilos and like. And I just have to watch a scoreboard roll over with like the points that they're doing. <laughs> and, like, okay, like, and, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll believe the formula this guy won. But if I use another formula, that guy won. And if I, three years later, we change the formula again, well, we could redo all of history. Guess what? You're not redoing history when Brett and Russell went. Some guy lifted more and that's the end of it. There's no revisionist history. It's, it's just far more clear, compelling. What are we doing here? 
that, like that's what, and I'm not saying, look at the pro series might do that. That's what I hope the pro series does is, and you could have a little bit of a mix where you're like, we have a couple guys in each weight class, a couple ladies in each weight class going head to head. So you'll get that as well as an overall lifter. There's zero chance that happens. Yeah, fuck. There's, not there's, there's no else. way there's, there's just no, it just doesn't make any sense how they can do that unless they, ha- unless they do it. Like, cause that's raw know, nationals. nationals. Yeah. That's What's right. That? <laughs> cause that's raw nationals. Like, right. There's a raw nas- here's like, raw nationals. Like five raw nationals. It's a thousand bucks. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. I mean, cause that's literally what they did this year was at raw nationals or I guess all of the nationals, right. Arian that the uh, best lifter got like 2,500 bucks. Yeah, they yeah they broke it down into the uh, open for yeah like raw equipped bench full power, right? Yeah, so every open best lifter got like whatever it was two grand twenty five hundred bucks or something like that. I like that. So that's pre- right. So again, you're talking about you know bench equipped bench, you know uh, classic and equipped you know total. So that's what one two three four five six seven eight times twenty five. So I mean. That's 20 grand right there. They gave away the money goes quick, huh? That's 10% of what they're going to pay out for the rest of the year. Yeah. 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 Right. And that's only, and that's only opens, right? If you then go junior sub junior M one, two, three, four, like now we've got, and and then remember there's more junior and sub junior weight classes than there are open. So it's not even times seven. It's like, it's like times, (laughs) times eight. So I make it that's only oh, best not, lifter. Nine, not eight, that's only nine. best lift again that's one percent yeah. of leaders that's best lifter only like you want the idea is more people get money in their pockets you lose your money quick huh trying to do this trying to please yeah, just, just trying to think of like if like if you're giving away like a best female and a best male lift like what's going to be the financial like what what are they going to be offering that's going to be like yes i want to be involved in that right for the for the elite pull. of the elite like how much are they gonna have to offer like the best the best lifter like because the virginia meet is like what 7500 bucks to the winner i think it is which is nice i mean that's, that's, that's pretty good, good. yeah I it's like really it. good um i don't think i've ever seen more than that at a meet um advertised at least as far as um usapl goes or ipf um you know obviously the the current open or the showdown or all those guys they you know they usually offer a lot more money to the the overall winner but like how much money like what's a what's a number that would like stop Amanda Lawrence from wanting to be an IPF world champion or, you know, Taylor Atwood or whatever. The total pool of money ends up having to be like eye-watering large, eye-wateringly large for individual prizes to be big enough to do that. Right. Right. Like if you want to give first, second and third open men and women, two times bench, two times three lift, and only think about open. And if you want to split that up at, at, and give them enough money to, for it to be worth not having a shot at Sheffield, not having the glory of going to Worlds, not getting a gold medal at Worlds, like the, the total money prize pool ends up having to be, and the money and the money at Worlds, like the total prize pool ends up having to be like high six figures or seven figures or something. He says having not actually done the maths, right? Like the actual money needs to be a lot more than you know, two hundred k sounds like a lot of money, but by the time you split it up a lot, it's, it doesn't go very far. Yeah, if it was if if they said one meet is going to be two hundred k, and that's what we're going to do it for everything. Okay, that could work for one meet, but if there's but they said series, which makes me think it's going to be multiple meets, you know. So ten meets time, you know, is twenty thousand dollars a meet. That's not very much money to, to spread the love around. Let's put it in perspective. Sheffield was three hundred thousand dollars one meet. Right, one one meet, meet, and what was it would it end up being? Um, was it twenty eight people or whatever it was? One meet, 24, three, I think. three hundred thousand dollars one meet. 
And then right. the world championships right now, I think was $177,000 one meet. So oh, and by the way, with Sheffield, that was, that was prize money on top of the fact that they flew you and a coach there, uh, put you in accommodation, gave you a, like fully kitted you out in SPD gear, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like that's, that's the prize money on top of the logistics having already been taken care of. Same with world championships often when it depends on where you're yeah, from, yeah, what yeah, nation sure. you're coming from, but if but you're possibly, but, but probably not the pro series, right. The pro, the pro series sounds like it's going to be, you pay your own way there. And if you do well, you walk away with a check, which may or may not be enough to cover cover your costs, depending on on exactly how that works. Right. So it's it's going to so to answer Bill's question in terms of enticing you to bring you over, it's going to be tough for the for the very elite who are looking at it like, um, you know, I fly all over the world, all expenses paid, fully kitted, and then I win money at the worlds, and then I go to Sheffield, like you. That's that's going to be a very tough situation. Um, if you're going to go dollar for dollar at the at the top end. That's why I think you kind of got to go for not the elite. Um, so anyways, I, I also wanted to say real quick, I wonder, I don't know how much time we got here, fellas, but all in terms of the IPF world championships, we won't have the U S there. So what it might look like without the U S you guys got a minute to talk about that. Yeah. Let me pull up the nominations real quick. Yeah. I mean, I think that changes. So let's real quick. We'll just go through like, so, Obviously, the heavy favorites were going to be like um, Heather Connor, Amanda Lawrence, and Bonica Brown in the women's. They were the heavy, heavy favorites to win. Obviously, there's other women that could have won from the U.S., but I think those are the heavy favorites. And then in the men, I think um, Jesus Olivares was a heavy favorite. Um, I'm trying to think who else, who else, who else. Russell or he was. Russ, yeah, Russ was a heavy favorite. Kaiko, and, Kaiko Kaiko, and, and yeah, and Kaiko was a heavy favorite for sure. So amongst, so, the, I have a pull up too. So amongst the nominations, not even betting odds, the same people for the men's that you said, Daniel Kamlentz was number one nomination. He was definitely in the closest battles though, in terms of the number one nomination act. Obviously, at Pena, Sergey Gladkick, uh, Eddie Berglund. So that would be he was the number one nomination, but it's tight. Um, right. Fedoshenko is number one nominated, you know, 74 Taylor had already pulled out with other stuff going on. Russell was, was probably going to win 83s, 93 Keiko, a, a number one nomination, uh, one Oh fives Ashton had already pulled out, um, citing, I believe he said something about travel, et cetera. Um, I mean, travel is a disaster right now. They're, they're talking about, you know, anyways, we don't need to get into it, but Anatoly, he would have had a battle with Anatoly and that would have been riveting as well as uh, Emil Norland. So he was, believe it or not, as amazing as Ashton is, he had himself in the battle and it wasn't exactly an Amanda Lawrence situation where he's walking in there, he's going to win. 120, um, Dennis was nominated. Oh, right, second, yeah, Dennis. Right, he wasn't but, nominated. but obviously his his best total is, you know, very, from, very, from, from anyway, three, yes. four years ago. Dennis would be the favorite to win that for sure. Um, but it Hang would on be, a second, hang on close. a second, hang on a second. I mean, come on, the guy. For okay. sure, he's the favorite. I would say you could call him the favorite, and I would be fine. But yeah, I would for say sure this he's is, the, he's the favorite for sure. I'm not saying he's guaranteed to win. I'm saying he's the favorite. He's been there before. He's not he's the favorite for sure. I would he was say also coming be. off an injury. Didn't he? Didn't he like tear his hamstring Bad. or something? He's also. They're also not going, so it doesn't fucking matter. How about that? Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Um, you you win this round. Jesus Oliveras. <laughs> Jesus Oliveras was uh, is definitely the heavy favorite. Um, but on the women's side, it looks a whole lot different too. So on the women's side from 52, 57, 63, 69, and 76, 
which is, you know, a huge chunk of them, the top nominations were non-Americans. Um, so, but the Americans would have added some spice and some spice to the battle. The two top nominations for 76 were nom- were are non-Americans. So that battle is still going to be spicy with Angelina Elovakova and Jessica Bittner. Um, and the two top nominations, sorry, the two of the three top nominations for 69, Kimberly Walford and Anna Rosa Castellane, um, also both multiple time world champions are still going to be there. And uh, well, actually, you know what? Number two nominations, Chandler Babb, she has the exact same total as Anna Rosa Castellane. So even though Anna, even though Chandler Babb would have been an amazing addition, that's still a phenomenal battle with Anna Rosa versus Kimberly Walford. That's 69 kilos, 63 kilo. Corolla has a total that rivals those away class up. So does Leah Babel have a total that rivals those away class up. And that is an absolutely fantastic battle between those two ladies. Um, third was Sam Calhoun. She actually was not on the nominations before this happened uh, for anyone who had kept the Ryan nomination. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I would have loved to see Sam in there. Sam's wonderful, but yeah, it um, seems like she pulled out before the before it, this all happens. So. She made no official announcement, but yeah, she wasn't a nomination. I mean, she's not on unless there was just an oversight of the nominations or whatever. But she was on it though. Then she came off it. So yeah, um, yeah, I believe she did. I, I was speaking to her in the DMs the other day, and she did say that she decided not to go. So it is what it is. Um, but that battle is still going to be amazing. Uh, the, the 63 kilo battle is going to be fucking phenomenal and the and what they're those two ladies are going to post up is going to be nuts. So, and in the 57 kilo battle, um, Brittany, Suplicki, Brittany Suplicki, who uh, I'm gutted. She can't make it, um, was nominated fourth, but very tight. Like she's nominated fourth, but capable of, of, you know, shooting up the third, second, maybe even first. She's she right was one, there. one kilo behind second as a fourth nomination, right? Like right. that was, Thank you, Rory. Uh, unbelievably close. Um, it sucks she's not in there to do the battle. However, you still got Maria T, you still got Joey Namani, and still got Bobby Butters. Uh, so it's going to be a phenomenal 57-kilo battle. Like, the women's is far more competitive internationally, it would appear. 52-kilo, Naomi Alibert uh, from France is the number one nomination. And the battle with Andy Riley would have been phenomenal. Um, they're close. I believe they're only five kilos separated which uh, is close enough that, you know, obviously Andy could swing that. Um, we'd have to see how it plays out. We're not going to see that battle. That sucks, man. And then obviously 47s, you're talking about Heather Connorland. And uh, we got another French lady in the 47s, a teenager, Tiffany, who Penn was talking about when he was on this podcast. And um, she's, she's a teen and posting up, getting close to a 400 kilo total. And uh, my God, if she becomes an IPF world champion, um, but it's going to suck not seeing Heather there. She's the queen of the 47s. It is what it is, fellas. We still got battles. We still got stars are going to show up and show out, but um, it's going to be a hit, man. Nowhere else. So I guess really what really happened now is I want Ryan to say that Bill was right. Can we, about, can we do that part? About what? About just I've been saying the whole time that like the USA is probably not going and you're always like, what? why wouldn't they go? Why wouldn't they? Like literally, like I've been saying this whole time. Bill that has this been shit saying is that a long time. Yeah, so, I've been just say, optimistic. Just say, hold on, let me get the record button and say, Bill, Oh, God, buddy. Bill is big, right. Big, big Bill, buddy, buddy. Big Bucky. You were right. <laughs> just kidding. Big Bill, say, no, okay. I'm saying it. No, I'm saying no, no, no. it. No, I'm saying it. No, I'm saying it. 
Big Bill was right. Big Bill McCarthy, by the book Bill and Wild Bill, all of his aliases, okay, was right. I'm not wild anymore after you know. That's right. He's not wild. Now he's by the book. Now he's by the book, Bill. Okay, he's he's by the book. Bill was right. And um, no, man, yeah, you 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 called it. I I, I'm look at. I see the best in people. I'm also a stitch too optimistic at times. And um, this time maybe I was a stitch too. I was hoping judgment would maybe come after ipf worlds didn't work out that way i'm still hoping ipf worlds is going to be a phenomenal show we definitely got some battles and some of these battles um like i already said the number one nominations regardless if the u.s is there or not wasn't going to be an american so you could still see that individual you know put on a hell of a performance would the american have made it a, a nice battle sure but the number two nomination and three nomination in some cases uh, still was an American, so we still got some battles. It ain't over. It ain't over. I think the, I think the good thing about this too is like you're actually gonna, you know, instead of being like, okay, Heather Connor is gonna win, and we don't know who the rest of the women are. Now all of a sudden, there's gonna be a battle for first place in the 47 kilos, and like you might bring some light to some new lifters that people didn't normally see that you know get on the world stage now, and all of a sudden they become a household names. So I mean, it does it does really help the sport out. I mean, it sucks that the, you know some of the stars aren't going to be there, but it does, you know, it sheds a light onto newer people. But then again, there's anyone from the U.S. actually going to watch now because they're pissed off that they're, you know, <laughs> there's that, that whole thing. If you're a powerlifting fan, I don't see how you're going to miss, like, I don't know, unless some people don't. If you're, well, if you you're, have to remember, though, like the USAPL, they're pissed off at the IPF. So are the lifters yeah, Ryan, pissed Ryan, off at yeah. those lifters? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so like, no, it's not about the lifters. It's about the feder, about the federation, right? So, like, the majority of the USAPL is like super butthurt about the IPF. So, therefore, they're going to boycott and not watch it. I don't. That's know. all so I'm he, saying. Yeah. So, right, we've we've talked about this before. Remember, remember, we talked about how many. This is not the same outside of the United States, but many people in the United States would consider themselves members of the USAPL first. And are not at all members of the IPF, right? They they right. are USAPL. They they are not part of the IPF. Like I mean, technically they, they, they are, but 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 they wouldn't consider themselves that way. And so the USAPL no longer being affiliate or no longer being at the IPF meet means that they probably don't care anymore. Whereas like say Canada, most people who compete in the CPU would be like, yeah, I'm an IPF lifter. Yeah, of course I'm going to watch IPF Worlds. It's the it's the biggest IPF event of the year. Um, because to them that is. Like that is part of their federation, which is not the same mindset that a lot of the the, the USAPL lifters have. Correct. That, yeah. In, is, in, in America, if you say you're an IPF lifter, I'm assuming that you've been to a world championship. Oh, hundred percent. Like if you, not if what like, people I, in other countries assume. Like in New Zealand, I would say I'm an right. IPF lifter, and they would say, "Oh yes, he's affiliated with the NZPF." Right. When, when like, you said that, I was shocked. Yeah, for sure. You know the thing because I'm just looking at it from perspective of the same people who are like. Why punish the lifters? The lifters did nothing wrong, blah, blah, blah. How do you turn around and be like, I'm boycotting watching Angelina versus Jessica Bittner for the 76 kilo class, which is going to be phenomenal. Um, I'm just not going to watch them support them. If, if I'm a fan of powerlifting, which I am, I need to see Corolla Gara versus Leah Babwa, which they're going to post up totals that could rival a weight class. I need to see that happen. It's going to be Guess what? nutty. In the, in the USAPL? 75% of the people that compete or 75% of the Federation has no clue who any of these people are. That's insane to me. Well, they're not true powerlifting fans. Then. Well, they, they just don't pay attention to anything outside of the United States. 
No, right? no true so Scotsman fallacy here, 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 Ryan. Like you can be a fan of powerlifting and not know individual lifters outside of the United States, right? But but like to a lot of people, they cared about the USA lifters and they were going to tune in to watch the USA lifters. And if the USA lifters aren't there, then they, they don't care anymore. You know what? Yeah, maybe that's too harsh to say they weren't because look, when the Olympics were on, I want to watch Team Canada. Uh, yeah, right, right, watch, exactly. But I still watched when Team Canada wasn't in there, actually. I did. There's a lot of events where we weren't even in the running, literally running. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm in this. I need to see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see the mentality. I don't get the mentality. I don't need to have a fellow countryman in there for me to care, especially if it's I mean, sport. but if you were if you were a more casual fan of powerlifting than you are, right? Like the people on this call our lives have and souls have been consumed by powerlifting, right? Like I'm doing this call and then I'm going to go do some coaching work and I'm going to write a blog post about powerlifting, right? Like my life is consumed by this. People who are more casual fans of powerlifting probably care more about individuals or, or, or things that they can relate to than things that happen in a far off country. Like where even is Sweden? It's a long way from the United States. Nobody I know is there. No lifters that I look up to are there. Uh, a lot of these people either don't have social media or their social media is in a language I can't understand. Like we above was uh, Instagram is primarily in French, for example. It's so big though, her. doggy. And have uh, you not I mean, have you seen I've, her Instagram? Follow, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I follow do. her. Yeah, you fucking do. My life I'm is sorry. consumed by powerlifting, Ryan. Like I do nothing but think about powerlifting. Yo. Uh, even in my day job, I spend my time thinking about powerlifting. But Leah um, Babble is not hurting social media wise. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that's not true of everyone, right? Like how many true. people who have, have never heard of Corolla Gara before. Like she is an IPF world champion. She is one of the strongest lifters in the world, raw and equipped. And like a lot of people, particularly a lot of Americans would still never have heard of her before. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, there are still some like, uh, I'm sure Jessica Bittner has got a crazy amount of social media fall. There'll still be some star power there, but you're right. Um, inside. Greatly the diminished. Anyways. Greatly diminished star power. Uh, Jessica Bittner in particular? Sorry, uh, Worlds as a whole will have <laughs> okay, greatly, yeah. greatly diminished style. Yeah, out. yeah. I was going to say... I could never uh, say anything about about Jessica with you on the phone. I was going to say, watch him. I'm about to eject you out of this. <laughs> but uh, no, but yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, I'm also gutted. You fellas may or may not be there. Rory, you're not going to be there. Bill, you're not going to be there. Arian, God knows. Um, probably not. So... Freak, man, what are you talking about? All the Americans... He bought his ticket, so he might go hang out. But other than that, he's, you know, he ain't doing shit there anyway, so... Might go hang out, yeah. I mean, your ticket's bought. What the hell, but, yeah. Wait, he's not getting that reimbursement anymore back from the Get that reimbursement, though. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. I'll talk... Look, at if his ticket's bought, I'll try to talk him into, like, nah, stay. We'll do some King of Lifts interviews. We'll do some... Uh, you know what? That's my number one priority as soon as we hop off this call. Don't go. cancel that ticket, Playboy. We got some work to do. <laughs> but, uh, it is what it is fellas is there anything else you think we should add on to this if we we said we're going to be quick and my god we're getting close to two hours already again it's because you guys talk so much it's hard man i feel like we've covered all of the the main points from today <laughs> we do have yeah, another podcast scheduled for god's sake yeah fantasy coming up soon so final nominations coming out so we'll get all that sorted and get that info out to everybody that's it um, fellas, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you for coaching. Oh, I don't even know if I can coach anybody. I don't know what federation. <laughs> <laughs> don't deal with me. Deal with. Feels uh, like I may be suspended right now. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what my standing is. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to affiliate with me. <laughs> don't affiliate, affiliate with us with Americans. I'll affiliate, affiliate with you, Bill. <laughs> right. Any day, buddy. 
<laughs> get the lift. Oh, yeah, I didn't go, show. To, go to I get the lift for my man Bill. Buy the book, Bill. No longer wild, Bill. Don't talk to me. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> and shoot him a DM. And Rory Lynch, the Lynch. Yeah, pin. Uh, at, at Rory Lynch on Instagram or uh, SisyphusStrength.com. Uh, there's other the main places you can find me. There it is, fellas. Thank you very much, man. It's been a blast, and we will reconvene after uh, for another podcast and follow up. Peace. Yeah, baby.